0: Welcome to Peak Health with Dr. Gupta. This show is for those who want to optimize their health, maximize their genetic potential, and have some fun along the way. In today's episode, we're going to discuss something we all do, or should at least do for a third of our lives, sleep. Sleep is so important to our basic health. We all have experienced firsthand what happens with the lack of sleep, fatigue, brain fog, irritability, need for snacking and low energy. On the other hand, when we get good sleep, we feel amazing. Well, how do we continue to get deep, restful, and restorative sleep every day? To answer that question, we have Dr. Andrew Wong. Andy, as I like to call him, is the co-founder and director of Capital Integrative Health. He graduated from Tufts Medical School and completed his internal medicine residency at Georgetown University Hospital and is board certified in internal medicine and integrative and holistic medicine. He also has advanced training in acupuncture, functional, and integrative medicine. Welcome, Andy. Welcome, Andy.
1: Hey Robbie, thanks so much for uh, having me on your podcast. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, happy
0: to have you here. And we'll just start off with a very simple question. Why is sleep so important and what happens when we're sleeping?
1: Well, first of all, uh, I have to say on your podcast that just kind of shout out to you Ravi, You're you're a uh, role model for a lot of us, other doctors, you know. Um, and you were actually one of my attending physicians at at Fairfax when we we're going through Georgetown. So I just wanted to mention that. And I wanted to segue into sleep because let's face it, as residents or as attendings and you know in the medical field, we don't get a lot of sleep, you know? Yes. Uh right. So, so in fact, I think it's kind of this idea of uh, and and you know, whether you're listening as as someone that's currently working or retired or, you know, whatever you're doing, you're maybe at home with your kids or, you know, have errands to do. I think it's a society, Ravi, we don't we don't necessarily sleep is the last thing that is on our list of to-do, right? Because it's considered a passive activity. And one of the things we love to talk about today in the podcast is how sleep is far from a passive activity. In fact, it's probably the most active thing you can do, and it's the best thing you can do to up level your health. Excellent.
0: Well, yes, and 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 thanks for that. Uh, those kind words there. Um, I do remember you as a resident, and I tried to I tried to allow you enough sleep, but the patients did not. So
1: oh, you yeah, you you definitely <laughs> allowed, that? but the but yeah. the way the system is right and yes. the beeps of the the three a.m. fleet enemas and things like that. You know <laughs> that's yeah, right. You know, but uh, but yeah. So I think the first thing we have to think about is that sleep deprivation is a public health epidemic. I mean, it really is a huge problem in its scope. And that, that starts from the fact that we don't value sleep the way we value nutrition, the way we value exercise. We all know that we want those six-pack abs. We all know we're trying to lose weight to look better at the beach or just to have better health, prevent cardiovascular disease, prevent dementia. But we don't understand that sleep also is, I'm going to argue today that it's probably more important than any of those lifestyle factors. Because if we don't sleep, we won't really want to eat healthy. And we'll get into some biochem if you like. We, we are also are not going to be mindful with our our people that we're in relationships with. you know, we won't be present the way we would if we did got more sleep with our kids and partners. and um, and then honestly, we won't have the energy to exercise. We won't have that performance, you know, um jolt that we need to do strength training or cardio, or whatever we're kind of trying to do um, on the exercise front. So so to me, it starts with sleep in terms of the lifestyle factors. But I will also just say that, you know, we, we kind of wonder what the scope of this issue is. And we know that about uh, over a third, about 35% of adults in America sleep less than seven hours a night, which is the recommended, you know, um, NSF um, National Sleep Foundation, um, sort of for adults seven to nine or seven to eight as, as people get older uh, hours a night. So, so only two thirds, less than two thirds of people are getting that. And, and I would suspect it's even worse during the pandemic. But um, certainly that impacts the, the health system as a whole, um, individual people's health, uh, but also our economy, the way that, you know, people are, are not uh, not working productively. They're not, they're not, whether it's home or in a business or something, you know, if, if we don't have that energy, we're not going to be able to functionally do the things that we want to do and be the people that want to be in our lives.
0: Yes. And I think you make up some great, you made some great points. And one of them that I want to stress is people... Feel that sleep is is time that you can potentially tap into to take care of other types of um, tasks, or you know maybe watch a movie or um, do some things that you've been putting off for some time. Hey, I'll get an, a couple hours less sleep a night and then do these things. Well, the bottom line is, as you mentioned, it's it shouldn't be that way. Sleep is so important for your general health and well being. Um, you should really take advantage of that full amount of time.
1: So there's this uh, quote about sitting is the new smoking, right? You've heard of sitting is the new smoking. Yes. I, I would argue that not sleeping is the new smoking. Um, pretty much every patient, and we have a pretty busy clinic here in Bethesda, Capital Integrative Health, Um, but you, you know, and, and, you know, you've been here, um, is that, you know, when you ask people, Hey, how are you sleeping? I mean, it's a rare bird. That's like, Hey, I sleep great. You know, most people get woken up by their bed partner or kids or by their own thoughts, their own racing thoughts and how, um, there's actually this concept that, um, because I like to make up acronyms, you know, there's some called team up. You know, it's not found in the ICD-10 DX, but it's team up is too much on your plate syndrome. So too much on your plate team up. So, so think about, you know, how much stuff you have to do in your life, Robbie, you're, you have a family, you have, you know, successful business and all these other things you're doing. So, so if we're all juggling these things on our plates and, uh, and then it's, it's either too much, or we think it's too much, then the hormones that are going to go up or things like cortisol, you know, which is a stress hormone or adrenaline or things like this. That's why we, we try to take things like sleeping pills, but the problem with sleeping pills is that's not the answer because, you know, people get addicted to sleeping pills and they also interrupt uh, deep sleep and things like that. So, um, so one of the things that we have to think about in terms of sleep is, you know, do I have too much on my plate, you know, and and I, I would say for me personally, you know, I've had trouble sleeping for a number of years. Um, it might have started during residency, um, but no, no, not because of you, but just from, you know, it's just the nature of, of the hospital. And 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 we think about sort of this idea of, you know, how much do we have on our plate? And like, how can we offload that at least mentally so that we can go to sleep better? Um one of the things that i found because i mean it's a lot of these things and and sort of integrative or functional medicine as you know it it becomes a personal passion it becomes a calling so it's not just like i'm going to read some books i'm going to treat patients right but it's also like well how's this affecting my life and my health and my family's health and how can i be of best service to others you know as i learn these things right because at the end of the day a lot of times what I've found, at least with talking with patients, is that unless I've either experienced it myself or really heavily researched it and talked to experts about it, it doesn't carry the same weight as if, if you know, if I, um, it, it carries more weight, I should say, you know, if I did experience those things. Uh, so right for sleep. Um, yeah. So offloading things is, is going to be really helpful, whether that's, you know, having assistance or, you know, just asking for help from people, you know, people are willing to help. And and that's another thing about our society, I would say is that, you know, um, for the listeners out there, you know, you're not alone. If you're having trouble sleeping pretty much, that's like, everyone is having some trouble sleeping.
0: What happens when we're sleeping? Like what, why is, why is sleeping so important? What's going on in our minds?
1: Yeah. So I would, I think we should rename sleep rejuvenation. What's happening is the body and the brain are rejuvenating. So let's start with the brain. So during sleep, there's clearance of these plaques in the brain called beta amyloid plaques. Now, some people have heard of this because beta amyloid plaques are one of the things that can trigger Alzheimer's disease. It's not necessarily thought that they're always the 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 actual root cause of it, but there are some other things we can talk about beta amyloid plaques. But let's say that there's an association at least between the number of beta amyloid plaques in the brain and the risk of Alzheimer's dementia. So during sleep, especially during the first phase of sleep, which is mostly where the deep sleep happens, during deep sleep, there's actually a lymphatic system in the brain called the glymphatic system, G for glial, glial lymphatic system. So the glial cells have this lymphatic system. And basically what happens is during deep sleep, there's clearance of these plaques of beta amyloid clusters of these, you know, protein aggregates um, from the brain. And so, and other neurotoxins as well. So that's sort of when the the trash dump kind of happens or the recycling dump, I guess, happens for those, those brain neurotoxins during deep sleep. So so the brain is rejuvenating by detoxifying. And if someone doesn't sleep as much, say less than six hours, there's going to be less clearance of that beta amyloid plaque. The way I explain it to patients is that, let's say, let's say, Ravi, your recycling truck came to your house once a week. Okay. And you knew it was going to come once a week and you put out the recycling so that you could clear your house and it could be all nice, thick and span. Your family's happy and everyone. So if the recycling truck only came every two weeks, it's still going to start to build up and cause some issues in your health. So that this is what's happening in the brain that people are getting long-term shorter sleep is that these neurotoxins like baby amul- amyloid plaques are building up in the brain and then likely triggering more brain inflammation and an increased risk of Alzheimer's down the line. So that's one thing that's happening is daily detox. Um, another thing that's happening is that in sleep, you're getting a consolidation of memories and you know especially the memories from the previous day before so let's say you had some some meetings and you're playing with your kids and um you you know you did some fun activities or whatever and whatever is happening in that in that day which you just had before you hit the pillow it's going to contribute to potentially some insights And some inferences and things that you're going to gain you know what did you glean from that day what did you learn from that day and this is something that's happening during sleep so it kind of consolidates that so if you remember the times before google right we had these um personal computers and then there was like a little hard drive thing that you have to back up your files to i mean i guess now everything can be backed up on google right but Um, if you, if you think about it, it's kind of like all those memories from that, day are getting backed up long-term in your hard drive during sleep, but without sleep, it doesn't really happen. So that those are kind of some of the big things that happen, um, during, during sleep. The other thing that happens during REM sleep, which is usually during the second half of the night is emotional health. So let's say you had some difficult experiences that day, maybe, or, or whoever's listening, you know, maybe you had some emotionally charged you know whether it's joyous or sad or difficult or whatever but um, sleep helps you make sense of those events emotionally and process them right It's almost like a um, your own natural uh therapist you know in a way that that happens during sleep so so we know that sleep, uh, deprivation is associated with an increased risk of, of mental health issues, including anxiety and depression, bipolar and ADHD. And so sleep disruption may actually be a cause of mental health issues. It may actually cause those issues via disruption of methylation pathways, which means, you know, uh, sort of this way to uh, influence neurotransmitter production. Um, I think that in terms of physically, let's go into the immune system. So, we know that you know we're still in the COVID era. We're in 2022. Again, sleep is rejuvenation of the brain, but also rejuvenation of the body. It is really one of the most active processes um, that you have. It, just because we don't, we're just because we're kind of you know we're not conscious during sleep, but there's a lot of things happening. Um, in fact, the immune system is most active at night during sleep. So we know from a lot of studies that. Restorative sleep helps regenerate the thymus, which is one of the most important um, immune organs. We also know that healthy sleep um, will help promote what's called T helper cell one response. And that is a response that supports an antiviral immune response. In other words, the better our Th1 cell activity and number, the better our outcomes will be likely if we get viruses, whether it's COVID or some other virus. So it actually helps our immune system. Um, another interesting thing about sleep, because it's kind of flu season now or going to be soon, um, is that we know that if people get a good amount of sleep, which is, again, more than six hours before a flu vaccine, their antibody levels in response to that flu vaccine are going to be higher if they get more sleep versus if they didn't have sleep. So one of the things when people are getting, you know, COVID vaccine or flu vaccine and they're like, well, how can I, how can I be healthy and how can I take this vaccine, you know, effectively? And I tell people, you need to get a lot of sleep that night. You know, don't drink alcohol, go to bed early, you know, get, get a good amount of sleep so that your antibody production or response to that vaccine is going to be, going to be higher.
0: Yeah. Um, that's really, that's really uh, interesting. Cause you know, our, Our mothers and their mothers have always told us in the past, get get a good night's rest. It's going to help you. It's going to help you. You're going to your sickness will go away. You know, it was sort of like an old wives' tale for a long time, but now the research is coming out where this is indeed true. Getting a good night's rest will actually boost your immune system. It'll help fight off various types of infections.
1: Yes, I mean, I I think we all remember when we were in college, or at least I remember when I was sleep deprived, right, studying for an exam. Lo and behold, that's when I got a cold you know, three hours of sleep, eating badly, eating a bunch of sugar, right? Then, of course, seeing the immune system stressed out and, and needing to kind of reduce inflammation from that sugar and from that lack of sleep. So it's kind of like the soldiers of the immune system are diverted to a different area. So then it can't really protect your body from infections. The other thing is that, you know, when you think about sort of um, may, wanting a good gut. Uh, well, well, there's gut health, but also I, when I mean gut, I mean just like belly, like trying to reduce belly fat, right? We all want to reduce belly fat. We all want to prevent heart disease. Um, one of the things that happens during sleep is that sleep definitely changes the balance of different hormones. So chronic sleep deprivation basically leads to a few things. It leads to more fat storage. So basically there's elevated cortisol, elevated insulin which leads to visceral fat deposition in the belly, you know, more belly fat. But the other thing that happens is that ghrelin, um which is a hunger hormone, goes up and leptin, which is a satiety hormone meaning you're going to feel more satisfied when you eat, that leptin hormone goes down, which basically means that when you don't get enough sleep, you're going to store more belly fat and also you're more hungry, especially for carbohydrates. So there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons I think why nutrition and like eating healthy, you know, so if someone is having uh, trouble sleeping, I'm not going to tell them to eat like this perfect diet because they won't be able to do it. They have to get sleep first because of those hormonal shifts there. Um, The the other thing I, I should mention is that, you know, we all talk about detoxification and how it's good to, to help with liver detoxification and help prevent, you know, illnesses through good detoxification of, 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 you know, toxins in the body the, the detox system is another area where um, it's more active at night. So so the liver is more active at night. They've done ultrasounds on uh, people uh, people's livers, you know, at, at nighttime, and the actual size of the liver is is uh, bigger at night, like the M- mRNA and basically the size of the liver. So so th- what's happening is that again, just like in the brain, you know, I guess the body's just saying okay. You're sleeping and we're going to start doing these maintenance and rejuvenation processes now that we didn't have time during the day because because you were stuffing your liver with alcohol, right? (laughs) Or you're stuffing your liver with a bunch of food and and, and medications and supplements and things that needs to detox. So same with the brain, I think same with the brain. Okay. You were stuffing your brain with, uh, you know, um, great experiences, difficult experiences packed with emotion, um, you know, and, you know, analysis of, you know, things during the day. So your brain was working during the day and, and processing. So, so now we need to rejuvenate, we need to detox the brain as well. So you see how the way I like to look at, it, and I think Ravi, you'd appreciate this as I'm assuming you're a, a, a car aficionado. I, I don't know, but I use a lot of car analogies, so just bear with me. So, let's say you had a car and you were driving it all up and down, you know, 495 or Lee Highway at least, or something, right? So, so what if you just drove that car 24 seven and you didn't give it a break? You didn't park it in your garage. It would the engine would go out. There'd be some rust on the car, you know car and stuff. So, so you have to. We have to basically, as as people, as a society learn to rest. And I don't just mean physically, I mean, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we need to learn to park that car in the garage, we need to learn learn to park our bodies in bed, so that we can rejuvenate. And you know, one of the things that we should mention, I think, early on here in this podcast, you know, or at least in terms of some of the lifestyle things is we have to turn the lights off. You know, I mean, that sounds kind of Kind of dumb. You know, it sounds like a sleep for idiots, but I think we're all idiots, right? In that way, kind of like, you yeah. know, we all kind of turn the lights on at night sometimes. I think that even the most, you know, vociferous anti cell phone people, it's hard because cell phones are addictive and TV is addictive. And now we oh. have Netflix, right? So, so, so what me, happens um, is let me, let me yeah. interject
0: here. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, th- this was all amazing information. And you just basically, in a nutshell, described to us the importance of sleep and how it, ha- it helps you with detoxification with immune support, or just general rest, you know, well-being to uh, assimilate, organize our thought processes. So that was, that was wonderful. I appreciate that. Um, now let's, now you're starting to get into lifestyle sleep hygiene type issues. So maybe let's, let's jump to that. Um, what are some ways, cause you know, as you're describing the benefits of sleep, I'm sure a lot of listeners are thinking, okay, that sounds awesome, but I just cannot sleep. I mean, I, I lie down. I do my best, and I just I get like three four hours a night, and that's all I get. I'm tossing and turning. So, what can one do to better their sleep and and not pop a pill? Now, we'll talk about popping pills in just popping pills in just a little bit. But um, what are some some techniques, sleep hygiene techniques that people can do that are natural that'll help them get better sleep?
1: Well, um, there's two there's two major lifestyle factors I would say that have the strongest effect on the day-night cycle, that circadian rhythm. And those two are in order of importance, I think. Number one, light, and number two, food. So number, let's talk about light first. So if if we're trying to sleep, um, historically, we had moonlight, and and otherwise it was kind of dark, you know, mostly. So we kind of probably, you know, had huts or houses or maybe slept in a cave or something, but it was dark. You know, there weren't any cell phones. There weren't any like TVs or something. So, so we know that what happens at night is that is that melatonin, which is a hormone that helps us to go to bed, goes up, and then cortisol, which is a stress hormone that helps us to be alert and to to have energy and things like that, goes down at night. So, melatonin goes up, cortisol goes down. So, the first thing we want to do in terms of you know lifestyle is really um, go. I mean, sort of try to time our our sleep. To to a time when we're going to be decreasing our light at night or basically trying to make it dark. So whether you're listening to this and you're like, well, you know what, I'm a nurse on a night shift or I'm a doctor on a night shift or I'm a firefighter. Right. We have we have patients like that. Well, the way you try to mimic that is whenever you're going to sleep, just do a pitch black you know, if it's daytime for you, then, then do that. But you have to have your body kind of see in the external environment, ideally that it's nighttime. So turn off all the lights, blackout curtains, eye pillows, you know, anything like that to basically simulate that, that dark environment because that does have the strongest effect on the circadian rhythm is, is going kind of as dark as possible.
0: What about blue light blocking glasses?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I use those pretty much every day. Um, you can um you can get them on amazon they're pretty cheap there's other more expensive sites you can do as well but um but you need you need to block blue light um, which is mostly found in things like computers and tablets and screens it's a pretty high percentage of blue light in those so you want to try to avoid those at night and if you can't avoid those um, and also things like light bulbs, you know, they have blue light in them. So if you can't avoid those, because maybe you're wanting to read a little bit before bedtime, wear those blue blocking glasses before before bed. I would say ideally one or two hours before bed. Just start wearing them to get into that habit of um what it'll do is it'll, it'll just filter out the blue light so you won't see it. And then you'll basically be seeing hopefully like an amber type of tone, which is kind of mimicking more fire light or dusk type of type of light.
0: Okay. So So, Andy, basically, you're you're mentioning is the the blue light suppresses your melatonin, and you want to do that when you wake up. Like when you wake up, you go outside, you look at the sun. This is this is very important because it not only kind of resets your circadian rhythm, but you know makes you feel good, and then you're actually resetting um, melatonin so that you suppress it when you're going when you're uh, approaching bedtime. You wear the blue blocker glasses. You have your room is pitch black, and that allows the melatonin to maximize, and then you get that restful sleep. Ideally, the cortisol will drop, melatonin will rise. That's in essence what you're doing with with light. Is that is that? Uh,
1: yes, exactly, Ravi. In fact, like you just said, it's actually I think more important to reset that circadian rhythm by by getting that light exposure twelve hours before you want to go to bed. So that that's that's a key right there um, to kind of stimulate that system to start kind of understanding what is day and what is night. Uh, so a lot of us, I think have lost that, or I guess that circadian rhythms getting frayed by, by lifestyle. Um, so the more we can kind of go get sharper on that in terms of what's day, what's night, when you're going to sleep, when you're not going to sleep, I think that's going to be the biggest thing there in terms of timing. Also, I just wanted to mention, cause I think a lot of people ask, you know, what time, you know, is eight hours, uh, from 1 a.m to 9 a.m the same as eight hours from 10 to six it's not it's not because the the detox system and immune system are more active in those early hours of evening time right before midnight so I like to say you know trying to go to bed before midnight um if you know the the story Cinderella right when the clock strikes, you know, a midnight, the what the the foot people turn into pumpkins and stuff like that, right? So you really want to try to go to bed before midnight if possible. Um, and ideally, something like ten or eleven would be sort of a maximum. and then and then that's going to get that detox and immune boost there from sleep. It's going to maximize your sleep. Um, I, I've personally found that to be the case if if I go to bed before midnight and I get the same amount of hours that I did if I went to bed after midnight, i find I find myself to be more rested.
0: Yeah. And there's a, there's a, there are many wearables that you can use to track your sleep. I personally like the aura ring and, and I, Andy, do you have that?
1: I I do. I do. I I have the aura. Um, Luckily it got upgraded to aura three. So I I love that because it actually changes my behavior. Um, You know, if I go up, get up in the middle of the night, then I'll make sure to go back to sleep. And uh, my my sleep hygiene is actually better So I don't know that, uh, you know, I think the aura is also good because it tells you about deep sleep and REM sleep and O2 sat now and all this stuff. But to me, what, what it really does is it kind of, it's kind of like an accountability partner on my finger, you know, (laughs) kind of like a, okay, okay. Hey dude, you should go to sleep now, you know? Yeah.
0: And I, I love that for that reason, I used to wear it. And when I would get a low score, cause it, the aura ring grades you as far as your, your restfulness, how well you slept that night. I'd get a low score then I'd be like, oh man, you know, I'd get, I'd get stressed out by it. I'm like, oh, I didn't get good sleep. And then the next night I would, I wouldn't sleep again. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to wear this. But when I got over that and I actually was like, wait a minute, I'm not going to wear this for that. got the highest score. I'm not, this is not a competition. This is a way for me to try to understand what helps me sleep. And, you know, I'm curious rather than, you know, judging the, the result. Um, that helped me tremendously. And actually, I wear it every night now, and I see now exactly as you said, when I sleep, starting at ten o'clock, I go to sleep at ten, I will get much better sleep, much more restful, much more deep sleep than I will if I go to bed at eleven even or eleven thirty or even midnight.
1: I think we're brothers from another mother, mother because I, I have the same mindset block and I had to overcome it. I was like, like I wanted it to be perfect or at least really good. And I didn't like the fact that the score was low. So I stopped wearing it. But then I recently did the same thing. I started to wear it every day because I was just like, I just want the data, no judgment. Yes. Just wear it and and it it helps, you know. But but I think the big thing for the listeners is consistency, whether it's you're doing the sleep hygiene, you're trying to go to bed at the same time every night, ideally, or you're doing an aura ring and you're getting some data that way, just keep on doing it. Just keep being um persistent with it and and the results will come.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I'll just stack another few points there. Um, Avoid caffeine. Ideally, if you want to drink something before noon, um, if you have to push it, maybe before two, but ideally before noon and stop drinking after that, because that's going to affect sleep. Um, No eating or drinking three hours prior to going to sleep, because your body's going to take time to process that food. You don't want that to happen while you're trying to rejuvenate, restore. Um, and uh, make sure your bed is for sleep only and you aren't working in bed or doing other activities in bed, um that's not conducive to sleep,
1: yeah, sleep and sex. I think sleep and sex. but yeah. um and also besides alcohol, besides caffeine is as alcohol, you know? Uh, uh, let's talk about alcohol for sex. So um alcohol, I know when I was in school, Ravi, you know, we were taught that one drink a night is healthy you know i mean there could be some health benefits from uh, obviously red wine and things like that some of the antioxidants in there but alcohol does disrupt sleep especially um it especially increases so when it, it helps with what's called sleep latency so we fall asleep earlier so that that data is there but in terms of sleep quality it affects sleep quality, especially in the deep stages of sleep so people wake up uh, sooner, you know, they, they wake up more things like that. Um, don't sleep as well. I, I don't know if you've found that, but I've certainly found if I drink alcohol, I I'll, I'll won't sleep as well. You know, I'll, I'll like conk out really quickly, you know, especially, especially remember those Georgetown days. I mean, gosh, those were the, <laughs> that was you, the especially, you, you, you didn't drink... survive. yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so if you think about it, you know, alcohol is one of those things that will disrupt sleep, and, and, you know, if someone's having a sleeping problem, the first thing I'm going to ask them is, are you drinking alcohol? If so, try to stop it. You know, they might not like me that well after I say that, but that's, that's really the honest truth is we have to think about some of these big, you know, basic lifestyle things that, that people are doing. Are they drinking too much caffeine or alcohol? Are they on their cell phones at night? You know, some of these big things that to me, those aren't really insomnia. Those are sleep hygiene issues.
0: Yes. Yeah. Now, how many hours before sleeping would you recommend a glass of wine?
1: Uh, never, but (laughs) not just, um, yeah, I I think, I think, uh, you know, probably four hours would be ideal because then you're at least starting to metabolize it a little bit. Um, there might be some things to mitigate the, uh, the effects of alcohol, um, sort of like antioxidants and things like that. Uh, um, but, but I think in general, if you can experiment, who's listening out there, if you're, if you're listening and you're saying, well, I, I, do fine, you know, without, I mean, I do find with alcohol, you might want to experiment without it to see how much better you can sleep, right? Because we know from from the performance side of things, right? Um, you, you know, athletic side of things, your wellness side of things, that we don't know how good we can feel until we, until we experience that. So someone out there might be listening and saying, okay, I sleep fine, but maybe you don't know how much better you can sleep if you didn't have the alcohol, if you didn't have that glass of wine. And there's times you can have it too. So you can kind of just, uh, write in a little journal, right? To see, um, or or use a wearable like an Aura to see what what that what that does. Uh, I don't know if if Robbie, you've used the Aura to yes. see, um, you know, it, is the effect of alcohol versus not? Does that affect yeah. your sleep?
0: Yeah, it does, uh, absolutely. Mm. And and it yeah, sort of yeah. takes us to the pill issue that I brought up earlier. You know, benzodiazepines or hypnotics or antihistamines, things of that sort. It has a similar effect. Um, right, you you're gonna maybe you're gonna conk out, but your sleep's not going to be as restful. It's not going to be as,
1: as yeah, decreased deep sleep. Um, it, it, They can be used, and I do use them sometimes for if someone's really desperate and just needs to get back on the wagon a little bit. But then trying to get them off of that, so it's not a long term thing. Yeah, so they have their role, but but like you said, it's it's one of the things that we would use for last resort. We wouldn't we wouldn't you know start with that ideally.
0: Yeah. So just a just on a bit of a tangent. Um, I was recently in Colombia. uh, just got back last week, actually, and visited, was visiting Bogota, which is at a higher elevation and I was wearing my aura ring and my heart rate was sky high. Well, for, for me, it was like seventies all night because, um, of the elevation, right? It wasn't because of anything else going on, but the aura ring tagged it as, you know, something that was affecting my sleep. It It actually was able to measure that and tell me that, Hey, look, there's something going on here. You know, you have to work on this or fix this. It was really interesting to wear that at a high elevation too. It, it learns your body and can and, and and can give you feedback on. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. That that that's interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, elevation is something that probably your body had to adjust to, and it was a bit stressful. And then yeah. after a while, it adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think we should mention also some medical conditions that might interfere yes. with sleep. Uh, oh, sleep apnea is a huge yes. one. A lot of people. So another big thing, if you're listening to this and you have a sleeping problem, if lifestyle is not fixing or not correcting your, your sleeping issues, then you might have a medical issue. So go see your provider about that. But uh, sleep apnea. So there's like uh, in lab sleep test now. Now there's home uh, sleep apnea testing as well. Uh, but, but these are things that it's hard to diagnose. I think without, uh, I mean, uh, there are some validated questionnaires you can use. Um, there's one called stop bang and there's like the Pittsburgh sleep scale, I think, and stuff like that. But you, you really want to get a, a sleep study to really kind of quantify oxygenation levels and, you know, how much time you're spending in deep sleep, REM sleep, and whether or not there's any apnea episodes, which is basically when the, the airway is not, you know, fully open. So the, the brain and the, the body's not getting enough oxygen. And you wouldn't really know that without a test. And a lot of insurances are pretty good on that now. But I think in general, that's, that's one of those big things to rule out if someone's having persistent sleep problems. Yes. Um, the other thing is sometimes there's actually an association between, we should not uh, miss this either mood disorders and sleep, you know, uh, uh, insomnia or hypersomnia, which is having too much sleep, that might be a sign of depression. That may may be a sign of, of, you know, anxiety and, and, you know, a lot of people are anxious right now, but, you know, anxiousness versus anxiety disorder, feeling down and feeling blue versus like depressive disorder, there's slightly, you know, there's, there's a difference there. So I think again, going to see your, um, your provider practitioner about that. Um, so there's a lot of sort of from a, from a root cause, you know, functional medicine, which I know we're both into here, um, you know, space. There's a lot of root causes of why someone might not be sleeping, but we start with lifestyle, and then if after that, if that's not working, then we go for these other possible uh, things that are going on. Yeah,
0: and and if your partner mentions to you that you're snoring so loud, you're you're waking up the neighbors, or you're having periods of apnea at night, you may want to consider a sleep study because those are some of the signs of sleep apnea.
1: Um, uh, listen to your partner. Happy partner, happy life. You know. Yes.
0: Yeah. Also, uh, let's talk, let's talk about supplements. Oh, actually, before we talk about supplements, I want to talk about stress just for a bit, because you mentioned stress before too much on your plate syndrome, as you called it, that happens to all of us. We lie down these think, These thoughts are, are just running in our minds. And we're like, Oh my God, I'm thinking about this. I have to do this, this, and this, that, that actually affects us uh, from a physiologic perspective and, you know, from a mental perspective and it, doesn't allow sleep. So how, what do you, what do you recommend in those situations?
1: Well, there's two aspects of, of, you know, stress or, you know, too much on our plates. There's the actual amount on the plate, which is kind of like the, what's called the allostatic load or the amount of stress. And then there's a concept called resilience, which is how we deal with the stress. So we can have either, we can have a low amount of stress, but then a low amount of resilience. And then that you know, small amount of stress, at least to some other observer, might actually be overwhelming to that person with low resilience. Or we can have a high amount of what's called, you know, allostatic load or a high amount of things on our plate. But if we have a high resilience, then then that's gonna make it easier easier for us to handle that stress and our bodies will be able to accommodate that more. So between, I, I think both are important. So we need to look at how much stress we have in our lives in terms of how many things that are kind of you know, to a point where is it causing dysfunction in our lives or causing imbalance in our lives? Um, is you know, reducing the stress load if we can. Um, and then, and sometimes we can't, sometimes it's not within our control, but, you know, reducing the stress load as much as we can. And then number two is increasing the resilience, increasing the ability to respond to stress. So um I would say from the perspective of reducing the stress load, you know, some people need to get a new job, you know, some people need to, get out of a toxic relationship or something, right? So so these are the type of things that are really deep, you know, root cause, like what's going on with the stress. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, and some people like like, like we were mentioning just have a team-op situation too much on their plate. So what can they delegate? What can they prioritize as primary versus things that they put as secondary to say, we're going to put that uh, on the back burner. I'm going to put that on the back burner. I'm going to get to it, but I'm not going to pressure myself to do everything at one time because I just can't do that. So there has to be some give and take like that. On the second end, in terms of resilience, there's a lot of ways to increase resilience. But I think the biggest thing is to increase vagus nerve activity. So we have what's called uh, two parts of the autonomic nervous system. This kind of controls the the, the body's response to stress. We have what's called the the stress response, which is basically governed by the, the sympathetic nervous system. And then we have the relaxation response, which is basically governed by something called the vagus nerve, which is a wandering nerve that wanders from the brain to the to the gut, to the heart, and, and everywhere in between. And this idea that if we increase the vagus neural relaxation response, we'll, we'll cultivate more resilience. Um, and then we'll also do good things like increase our heart rate variability, which helps our heart and brain function. As you know, from the, from the aura ring, Robbie, uh, you know, we can increase our HRV, that's gonna help our health. but. Um, I think from the research, we know that there's actually certain practices that are really, really helpful for sleep. Number one is um, meditation or mindfulness, you know, deep breathing and meditation. In fact, I have a quote from Dalai Lama and he says, sleep is the best meditation. So I remember, I just remember one time because I often I like these tangents. Um, I was trying to meditate one time when I was on a, a long plane ride somewhere like across to the West coast. And, you know, I was also like really tired and stuff, but this baby was like, this mom was like holding his baby right beside me and the baby was screaming. <laughs> and And I asked my meditation, you know, teacher at the time, I said, you know, if the, if the baby is screaming and I'm, and I just want to like, you know, close my eyes, like, should I, should I meditate or should I, you know, which I do say, no, no, just, just like let the baby cry. And, you know, or if I'm tired, and I want to go to sleep, should I meditate? He said, No, just go to sleep, right? (laughs) Because you can't, you can't really do, in my opinion, you can't really do a good meditation or mindfulness if your brain is exhausted, because you need your brain for that too. So but on the flip side, more meditation and mindfulness and, you know, doing a consistent practice, maybe five, 10 minutes a day, ideally, at at least would would uh, help sleep you know, it would help to reduce that stress. Um, other things that have some research, um, yoga. So there's studies that show that yoga improves some sleep quality index, um, specifically, um, Hatha yoga and yoga Nidra have, have done that acupuncture. Um, so they've done acupuncture versus no treatment. Um, so acupuncture is actually superior to medications and many of these studies. Um, for you know increasing the the amount of sleep duration. Um, and, and all these things work by basically restoring nervous system balance. Um, they can reduce anxiety, they can improve the vagus nerve, which is increasing that relaxation response um, so so there's a lot of these therapies that, that, you know, a lot of them you can do yourself too. I, I should say that let's say someone doesn't like needles and they want to do some, um, they want to do this combo yoga acupressure to me. The best thing is child's pose. If you, if you've ever done, you know, in yoga child's pose, which is basically where you press your forehead down, you kind of kneel like you're in a prayer position or something on a mat or floor. And you put this third eye point on the ground, that's the child pose. So that's actually probably maybe people realize this or not, is that that's, that's activating an acupuncture point called governor vessel 24.5, which is going to be very calming. And let's say you don't have a floor because the floor is dirty. Um, you know, you can just do it on your desk. You can just do it on a table. You can just put like, I can just do right now. I can put my, my forehead on this table and I'm going to get this calming response by that stimulation from the acupuncture point. So, so there's a lot of like really easy tricks you can do to kind of, um, and let's say someone's in bed, same thing. And I've, I've had this, you know, I've done this myself is I can't fall asleep. I'll actually just do an acupressure point. I'll just, on this third eye point, I'm going to press down on it for a few minutes and then I'm going to do some deep breathing and it helps you fall asleep. So, so these are just really easy things that people can do lifestyle wise to, to help.
0: Um, but
1: but it is about stress and it is about trying to manage that and and being resilient. And
0: thanks Andy. And, and, And I'll just add to that. Um, journaling is something else that people may find useful. I find it useful.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know,
0: writing down if you if there are things running in your mind, write write them all down. Get them on paper. And then think to yourself, "Hey, look, I don't have to tackle this tonight. I will get to it tomorrow or I will figure out a time to get to it." And then then make sure you do get to some of those issues. That is very helpful. And then also gratitude is extremely powerful. Um and if you write down, and I started doing this, you know, Three things you're grateful for every evening, and just kind of focus on those and and things that you're thankful for and and do that before you sleep. That's also very powerful, and that will help you,
1: yeah, I second that too. i mean i i'm I'm a little more low tech than you sometimes. I'll just use a post-it note. That's my <laughs> my take at night. but I like the gratitude. Uh, I do gratitude journaling in the evening um, uh, in the morning, but I think in the evening is a good idea too, because it kind of wraps up the day a bit and, and gets yeah. your thoughts and emotions on paper. But I, I like the idea of writing something down. I, re- I recommend that. And I do that myself too, is I'll write stuff down before bed. and I think it really helps. Absolutely. Excellent. Yeah. Well,
0: we're, we're running close to the hour here, but I just, I do want to get to some supplements because yeah. people can do all these things and, um, you know, maybe they don't have medical conditions that they need to worry about. They still do all the sleep hygiene things that we recommended, but they are, they're not sleeping. The supplements can help. So what, what supplements do you recommend? And what those. Yeah.
1: Um, The ones that I've found to help the most in practice are magnesium, melatonin. Uh, There's also glycine, which is a a, a, a calming uh, amino acid. And uh, sometimes uh, ashwagandha can be helpful as well. Some of these adaptogenic herbs. Uh, lemon balm and valerian would also help. So there's actually studies on on a lot of these. I also think for for those who are into hemp and uh, cannabidiol CBD oil, I I also have found that to be helpful as well.
0: Okay. And then so magnesium, there's different forms of magnesium. Magnesium glycinate, is that what you recommend? Glycinate
1: is what I'd recommend because you you got the glycine in there which is calming. And then magnesium is itself calming. So I think, I think both uh, that combination is really good. Magnesium glycinate. If people don't like taking supplements, I'll also recommend an Epsom salt bath, which is made with magnesium sulfate. So that's really nice for, for people that want to do it more, more of a bath way. And then melatonin, you take uh, an hour before you sleep? An hour before, yeah, uh, about an hour before. Um, I, I'd say 8 to 9 PM would be the ideal time if someone was able to go to bed by 10. And and do
0: you take a sustained release or a
1: uh, immediate release? Um, I personally, when I take melatonin, I take a liquid liposomal melatonin that that kind of is dissolved in some fat molecules, and that that helps the uh, absorption. I think um, I don't know. I don't think that's sustained release, but there are some that are SR sustained release that are good. So uh, it sort of depends. If someone's having trouble staying asleep, and you think it could be from the melatonin, you could try the SR. So I think that definitely helps some people.
0: Passion flower, chamomile.
1: Yeah, chamomile, passion flower, lemon balm. Yeah, all those. those uh, most of those work by increasing GABA, which is a, a relaxing uh, neurotransmitter.
0: Okay, and and what about just taking GABA supplements like the? You can or...
1: take that. Oh. Yeah, you can take GABA supplements. It is important to know for the listeners that acupuncture and meditation are going to increase GABA as well.
0: Okay, so better do it naturally but if the natural ways don't work you can consider yeah
1: nutraceuticals yeah i think that would be pretty reasonable
0: yeah okay what what about um 5htp is that is that something um
1: yeah thinking? that that can definitely work uh, that can definitely help so that that will eventually turn into um you know serotonin and melatonin and and that that can help
0: okay okay so those are so you guys have a list of some of the recommendations and the doses i guess vary depending on you know, many factors, but, uh, I guess for the common ones, like melatonin, what kind of doses do you, you,
1: um, I would start out at one to three milligrams, uh, for that one, probably for magnesium, something like two to 400 milligrams. These are very safe doses, very conservative doses. So, and then if you want to go up on it, I'd probably talk to a provider about that.
0: Okay. Excellent. And the teas are obviously, you know, tea bags
1: teas are teas. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much, uh, you know, none of them have caffeine in them. So I think those are the herbal teas I mean so i think those are good like sleepy time tea i think you know some of those are really nice yeah. for people
0: excellent excellent well andy thank you so much this was amazing i really appreciate your time i we we unpacked a tremendous amount of information in this um this hour and uh how can people reach out to you if they're interested in learning more about you and your or your practice well,
1: thank you ravi thanks for uh, having me on so uh we are at capital integrative health um uh, pretty Pretty simple, it's a clinic in Bethesda um, and uh, in Montgomery County here in DMV. So um, we are at uh, cihealth.org. So cihealth.org is where, it's probably the best place to start. Wonderful, thanks so much. Thanks,
0: Robbie. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, please make sure to hit the subscribe and the like button and leave a comment about what you'd like to see on our future episodes. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only, does not substitute for professional care, nor does it constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for medical care, please seek a qualified doctor or medical professional. For more information, or if you'd like to check out our programs, please visit our website, peakwellnesshealth.com. That's peakwellnesshealth.com.